Welcome everyone to Beaches Chapel Online. So happy to have y'all with us this morning to, for me to be able to join you in your living room. Uh, we're praying for you here at Beaches Chapel. We hope you're doing well. Um, no real announcements this week to speak of, except basically what we've been saying every week, and that is things around here uh, on campus are canceled for now. So the best way for you to participate in Beaches Chapel through the week is to follow us on all our social media platforms. We have on Facebook and Instagram, a Beaches Chapel church page, a Beaches Chapel youth ministry page, a Beaches Chapel worship page, a Beaches Chapel fun zone page for our little kids. Uh, we have our Beaches Chapel school page. So there's all sorts of things that you can uh, follow us on in those platforms forms. And uh, so we encourage you to do so. Stay up to date on, on all, all that's going on, all the devotionals we're putting out. You can find on those as well, along with our church app. Again, if you haven't downloaded our church app, uh, you can do that today, that you can get alerts through that, that tell you when our de devotionals are up throughout the week. And um, listen, we're just trying to, to stay plugged in as much as we can with everyone at Beaches Chapel. If you have any prayer requests, if you have any needs, you can uh, fill out a form on our website and that'll, that'll alert us to things that you might need, whether it's a grocery run or we even had someone that needed a washer and dryer and we were able to supply that for them. So uh, no ask is too big or small and uh, we'll do our very best we can to meet those needs. Um, you can also send prayer requests to us uh, by email at info at beacheschapel.com or simply by calling our church office at 904-241-4211. And uh, listen, our pastors, we're meeting every week via Skype and all that stuff and Zoom and, and we're praying for you. Believe me, we are praying for y'all. So if there's something we can be praying for you about, don't hesitate to ask. Uh, we're here for you to serve you, to walk alongside you in all that's going on in the world right now because we love you and uh, that's what we're here for. So just because we're not gathering on Sunday mornings does not mean that we we can't pray and, and walk with each other together and link arms. We are a body. We are a family, and we're going to get through this thing together. Also want to remind you that you can give your tithes and your offerings through our website. Just go on beacheschapel.com, click on giving, and you can designate your gift uh, or your tithe through that along with the app. If you're not familiar with that or not comfortable with that, or you just want to go the old school route and write a check or give a cash offering, you can do that as well. You can drive up here to the church and outside of our church office, right outside our church office door is a locked mailbox. You can drop your check or your cash offering then. And our wonderful business office is collecting those gifts every day. And you can drop those off between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Monday through Thursday. And they will be sure to be collected, not left in there overnight. And again, I just want to again say what I said uh, last week that we are so thankful for those of you that are continuing to give. Look, we know that this is a very hard time, very hard economical time. And a lot of us are, are strained right now in that area. And to, to see that the, the tithes are still coming in uh, is incredible. It's humbling. We are so grateful. And uh, we're believing that God is going to meet all of our needs, including yours, including the church. Uh, he's going to meet our needs and he's going to do it and then some. And we are going to have testimony after testimony of how God met our needs during this time. And so I just want to encourage you to continue to trust in him with your finances, continue to tithe. I think when we give, when it's the hardest is when God honors it the most. So in that, um, let's just pray for our tithes this morning. Uh, will you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you, Jesus, so much for um, your truth that says that you are gonna meet our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Father, we trust you now more than ever that you are a God who provides, Lord. You are a God of the practical things. You know that we have bills to pay. You know that, uh, that we need to eat food, God, and we have things for our children that, that need to be met, Lord. And so we ask, Father, that you would give us this day our daily bread. 
Father, give us this day our daily bread. And as we give to you, Father, we pray, Lord, that you would do more than we ever thought possible with these tithes, with these gifts, with these offerings, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given us the opportunity to sow into your kingdom, that God, as we give, we're giving to an eternal work. Thank you for that, Jesus. We love you. We ask you bless these tithes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So listen, we are going to go back almost, I don't even know how many weeks. I've lost track of time, just like I think all of us have. But early in March, I believe it was March 8th, we started a study on the on the Sermon on the Mount and specifically the Beatitudes. And uh, we, we put that kind of on pause because of uh, COVID-19 and kind of directed a lot of our sermons towards, towards that. And then we had, you know, Easter. And so, but now we're gonna go back to this series. We're gonna go back to the Beatitudes and look at these, these promises and these blessings that Jesus speaks of because they are powerful powerful. And we need to have an understanding of what Jesus is saying in this, because this sermon on the Mount is the greatest, most powerful sermon uh, ever, really. And so as we look at it, we're going to specifically take these next few weeks and take these Beatitudes one by one. And if you go back to March, Sunday, March 8th, we talked about that first one, which is uh, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And you know, as we as we do this series, what we need to understand is that God is a God of order, right? He's a God of sequence and nothing is said or done out of order. And so we need to keep that in mind as we are marching through these one by one, that there is an order to these. There is a specific sequence that Jesus gives these. In other words, he's not just saying them haphazardly, right? He's not just throwing them out. Oh, this one and that one. There is a specific order to these. And the first one is blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then what is so interesting about that as we, can, as we confess to God that we are poor in spirit, that there's nothing that we can do to earn righteousness. There's nothing that we can do in our own abilities to earn salvation, that we need him, that we need him, that, that then we get this Holy Spirit as we, as we uh, you know, trade our poor spirit for his Holy Spirit, then we are given the kingdom of God, right? And it's amazing. But then what is so interesting is the next beatitude, the next blessing. And it says this, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. This is Matthew 5 verse four. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. This is the beatitude that we're gonna be talking about today. And we're gonna look at it in two different ways. And the first way is, is, the, is the deep meaning that we're, gonna, that we're gonna sink our teeth into. And, and the second meaning is, is the one that's kind of a little more obvious, right? Uh, that blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. We're gonna look at both of these different ways. But before we even get to that, I, I wanna just kind of stop and realize the order that this comes in. Because the first one says that if we're poor in spirit, we will be blessed and we will then inherit the kingdom of God, right? And then it says right after that, that blessed are those who mourn. And so I ask myself as I'm reading this, why would we mourn if we've just been told that we will receive the kingdom of heaven, right? Why would, we, why would that lead to mourning? That doesn't really make sense. This in all accounts should be really, really good news. This is great news that when we confess to God that we are poor in spirit, that there's nothing we can do, and then he gives us his Holy Spirit and he allows us to be saved through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are given the kingdom of heaven. This is awesome. So why then would we mourn? 
It seems to not make any sense. And, and before we go even any further now, what we need to understand about this word mourning is that it is the strongest word for mourning in the Greek language. You know, in the English language, we have all sorts of words for mourning that can mean a all slew of different things. You know, we're, we're sad, we're upset, we throw a temper tantrum maybe, or we're pouting because, of, because this little thing happened. But then there's all sorts of other words that can kind of fall into the same category that mean all sorts of different things. We're heartbroken, we're grieving, we're in great despair, right? And that paints a whole different picture. Well, when Jesus is using this word mourning, it is the strongest word for mourning in the Greek language. This is not, I told a little white lie and I got caught, and, but I'm not really gonna lose any sleep over it. This is pit of your stomach despair that only God himself can cure. Okay, so again, the question has to be asked, why now? Why, after we've just been told this great promise beforehand, would we then mourn? Okay, so well, let's look back to last week. Last week was Easter Sunday. And, you know, Easter Sunday is by far my favorite Sunday of the year. It's, you know, as a pastor at a church, it is just fun. You know, it's, it's a packed house. People come dressed up. It's just electric. And, and you know that you are preaching and celebrating the same exact thing as all the other churches around the world. And there's just this unifying spirit. And even last week that our Easter looked a little different because we were, you know, celebrating from a distance, right? You know, everyone was celebrating from their home. It was still so exciting to get on social media and see, see people posting things. And he has written, uh, he has risen memes and all that stuff. And just know that there, there was this unity about last Sunday. And it was a huge celebration and rightfully so, because we are celebrating the, the resurrection of our savior. And through Jesus, we have been saved. But, you know, I, I look at that, what we have to understand about Easter Sunday is it doesn't end there. There's another Sunday to come and a Sunday after that and a Sunday after that. And so what does that mean? What does that mean for us? And, and if you look at Easter and if you look at salvation as a whole, I kind of liken it to a team relay race, like around a track. And you have that person running and in, in, in a moment, in just a moment of that, you have the hand of one person on the relay race holding the baton while the other person is holding it as well. And it only happens in a split second, but there's two hands on that baton. And that is what I, I kind of feel is happening with the first two Beatitudes. There's the first one, which brings salvation. And then there's the second one, which brings sanctification, which brings being made holy. That's what sanctif sanctification is. It's the Sundays and the days after Easter, right? And it happens in a moment, we receive Jesus and then that process of being made holy and being made more Christ-like happens. It's called sanctification. And as we mourn, what Jesus is talking about here, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted is, is that process of being made holy. And what we, what, when we read in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And so as we are this new creation in Jesus, when we receive him as our savior, we are in fact a new creation and the old is gone and the new is here. But here's what we need to understand about that new creation that we are. We now have new eyes, we have new ears, we have new senses to everything around us. And not only are we now looking at the world with different lenses, but we're also looking at ourselves with different lenses. 
And when we look at ourselves now as saved through Jesus, we see ourselves a little bit different. And what we see are, are, are people in a person that is covered in sin. And there's, the, and there's nothing we can do about it, right? Just like the poor in spirit, there's nothing we can do about it. And we, when we look at God in this new light, we, are, we then look at ourselves in this new light and it brings upon us this mourning, right? This understanding of us as sinners. But here's what we need to understand, okay? This mourning is not, again, it's not a self-hatred. It's not a self-loathing that says, I can't live up, so I'm just gonna quit, right? It's not this, this mourning that says, I can't stop uh, you know, drinking, so I'm just gonna quit. I'm, I can't stop doing drugs. I can't stop looking at pornography. I can't stop you know, talking to my spouse the way that I do. I can't stop treating my kids the way I do, so I'm just gonna quit. All right, that's not the mourning that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about godly sorrow, godly mourning. And this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 7, 10 about godly sorrow. It says, godly sorrow, okay, listen, brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regrets, but worldly sorrow brings death. And that's what this mourning is all about. This mourning that Jesus talks about, the second beatitude is about bringing forth in us a godly sorrow that leads, this, this, is, this is what it's all about, that leads to repentance, okay? It leads to repentance. And when we look, uh, when we look to God in, in, in our sorrow, you know what happens? He heals us, or as Jesus puts it, he comforts us. But when we look in the mirror, when we look at ourselves, it only makes things worse. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Worldly sorrow leads to death. And what Jesus is saying here, listen, this is so important. We even, we even touched on this when we talked about the Lord's prayer a few weeks ago about the importance of repentance, but it, we just touched on it. And I'm bringing it back up again today. When we have godly sorrow, it leads to repentance. And repentance is what brings comfort. Okay, repentance brings comfort. Jesus does not say in this moment that cursed are those who mourn for they will be exposed, for they will be ridiculed, for they will be embarrassed, for they will be punished. He doesn't say that. The mourning brings repentance and in repentance, it brings comfort. So I am addressing all of us this morning that have been sitting in our house, stewing over the things, and it might be just in your heart. On the outside, you look fine. You can put on the smile. You can look this way or that way. And on the, on the exterior, everything seems fine. But in your heart, you are beating yourself up day after day because you cannot kick these habits. And the problem is you're looking to yourself. Your sorrow is a worldly sorrow where you're beating yourself up. Jesus is saying, stop, stop doing that. Mourn in, 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 in a godly way and repent. Repent and then you will be comforted. What we need to understand about repentance is look, repentance is not us saying how big of a failure we are. It's about us receiving grace. Repentance brings freedom. And I think there's a lot of us that have built our own cages out of our own doing and are living in it because we're not doing the godly mourning. We're not having godly sorrow and repenting and saying, God, here it is, I'm sorry. Because the, Jesus promises when we do that, we'll be comforted. And so I just wanna ask very plainly this morning, how are you dealing with the sin in your life? 
How is it making you feel? Because if you're beating yourself up, if you're calling yourself a loser and a failure, that's worldly sorrow. But Jesus, is, Jesus promises us in the second beatitude that if it's godly sorrow, he will comfort us. Listen to this. This, is, this, is an, this, this verse right here really puts repentance, I think, in a whole new light and really tells us the power of it. And it's Ecclesiastes 7.2. And it says, it is better, it is better. I'm gonna say one more time. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. It is better to go to a house of mourning than of feasting. We, 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 we tr treat repenting as if it's this, this thing over there that we just don't wanna do because in that, we have to admit the things that we failed at, the things that we're, that we're ashamed of, the things that we've kept deep and dark in our hearts. But what God tells us is, look, that's the way we should be going. We wanna be, we wanna be a Christian. We wanna be a believer that just is feasting all the time because everything's great. We wanna live in that house. But God's saying, no, 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 no. The growth, the change comes in the house of mourning. It comes in the house of mourning. I wanna look at the story of Job real quick and we're not, gonna, we're not gonna get into it real deep. I'm gonna paraphrase it. Um, if you're not familiar with the story of Job and the, the story of Job goes like this. Job was a God-fearing man. He loved the Lord and he, was, he had a wealth. He had a healthy family, he had a healthy life. He was respected around his community as being a good businessman. And he was right on the brink really of retirement where he was gonna be able to kick his feet up, enjoy the fruits of his labor and just kind of live out the rest of his days. Let his family take over the business. And just like that, I mean, literally in a moment, everything was taken from him. His family, his wealth, his livestock, even his body was attacked with boils and, all, and sickness and all sorts of things. And, and he goes on living this life, still, still worshiping God. But it gets to a point where he finally kind of questions God a little bit. And, and then what happens in the story is Job 38, which is one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. And I'm just gonna pause my message right here and give you all a homework assignment. And that is to read Job chapter 38, the whole thing in its entirety. Because I think a lot of us right now with, with COVID-19 going on, this whole pandemic, everything that's going on in the economy, we're asking the question, why a lot? Why God, why? When, how long, but why? Why are you doing this? What is this all about? And Job 38 answers that question for all of us. In, in the moment he's talking to Job, but really he's talking to all of us. And what Job 38 is, it's a chapter that reminds us of how big God is and how small we are. It really puts us in, in our place, which we need, frankly, a lot of times. We need to be put in our place. And so I'm not gonna read it this morning because I want you in your homes, we're stuck in our homes, to read it yourselves. Take ownership of this and open your Bible, get on Google, get on your, your phone and your, your Bible app and read Job 38. And if you have to read it tomorrow and the next day, do so. But what it will do over and over is remind us about how grand God is and how big he is, okay? And we need to know that right now. We need to know how big God is. I think a lot of us are forgetting. But anyway, that's kind of an aside, but read Job 30. That is your homework assignment for this week, okay? But we're gonna pick it up in Job 42. As, as God responds to Job and reminds him of how big he is. This is now Job's response back to God, okay? And this is awesome. And it's Job 42, verse two. And he says, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. 
You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. Listen to what Job says here in verse five. He says, my ears heard, heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. So Job is brought before God. And he says what it, what it says in verse five, it says, listen, I heard about you, but now I see you. It's like he sees God in a whole new light. He sees God in this whole new light and his reaction to seeing God in this new light, seeing his power is to mourn. It says he despises himself, which is to mourn. And then what? And repent, okay? So his understanding of how grand God is, then the, 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 the track that he's on then is to repent, repent. I think that's, that, that says it all right there. And, and what, I wanna, what I wanna understand in this, it says it's, it's in verse six is to repent in dust and ashes. You know, in the Old Testament, the sign of mourning, it was very, when, when, when people mourned, when the Israelites mourned in the Old Testament, it was a very public thing. They would go out of their house and they would tear their clothes. They'd fall on the ground and they would pour dust and ashes over themselves to show everybody that they were in mourning. And you can read all sorts of different accounts of when, when the, the Jews were in mourning, uh, this is what they did. This is what happened. And so Job is saying here very, very much along those lines that he's going to repent in dust and ashes, okay? But again, let's, let's think to what Jesus said. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Listen to what Isaiah 61, three says. To console those who mourn in Zion. This is God has come to console those who mourn in Zion and to give them beauty, for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Okay, so we see this beautiful picture of what godly mourning is, where he says, listen, no more are you pouring ashes on yourself. No more, no more are you, are you going to mourn. I'm going to replace the ashes that you pour on yourself in mourning with beauty. And I'm gonna take this mourning and give you an oil of joy. This is repentance, everyone. This is what it is. It is a freeing thing. It is an awesome thing. We need to stop looking at it like it's this punishing time. It is not, it is, it is where the internal thing happens. Listen, when we walk with Jesus, we, we make it about trying harder. We need to make it about confessing more. Stop trying so hard in your own flesh and start confessing more to him because in that confession, the internal change happens. We want the change to be an outward in, but Jesus is saying, no, this is an inward out thing. And those things that you struggle with, those things that you beat yourself up over again, if you confess them every day, there's gonna be an inward change where suddenly, all of a sudden you're gonna look back and go, you know what? I'm not struggling with that anymore. Why? Because God has replaced the ashes with beauty in the morning with an oil of joy because that's what repentance does. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Blessed are we for we will be comforted when we mourn this godly sorrow, when we go to him in repentance. And listen, I'm just gonna say it right now. I'm gonna be very blunt. And for those that are listening, maybe you're you're, you're, you're stumbled upon this sermon for the very first time. You've never been to church. Or you're just checking Beaches Chapel out. 
this doesn't pertain to you. you. You get a hall pass right now, but I'm talking to those of Beaches Chapel. And really, I'm talking to, to the church as a whole. I really believe that God has us in a place right now where we are at in the world with this pandemic, where he has put us in the house of mourning. Because before this happened, I really believe we wanted to be in the house of feasting. We wanted a feast, we wanted a party. And we were relying on ourselves. We were looking at what we could do. And God is reminding us as he's stripping everything away, he's taking away the conveniences where we are left in our home with our own thoughts and our own time to really consider our relationship with him. When he wants us to see him with new eyes. Listen, Job knew God before then, but now all this has happened in his life and he's seeing God with new eyes now. Church, we need to see God with new eyes and we need to run to the house of mourning and forget about the house of feasting because it's better in the house of mourning. And if we repent as a church and we say, God, I'm sorry, we're gonna seek you with everything. We're gonna repent before you. Then he is going to comfort us and he's going to bless us. But I honestly believe that we need to be a people who are repenting right now. So I think we lost our way. And God's using this time to strip everything away, everything that we were doing before and to allow us to look to him. We gotta stop looking in the mirror and beating ourselves up and looking to him and saying, you know what, God? I'm not gonna be ashamed to come and repent. I'm gonna understand that this is where the growth happens. This is where the change happens. We all want change. We all want growth. We're trying to, we're trying to create a feast when we're really we need to be running to the house of mourning. And for those of you now, I'm gonna talk to those that are watching and listening maybe for the very first time. And you've been beating yourself up. You've been living in your own mourning, your own house of mourning, where you look in the mirror and you see yourself and you see a failure and you're trying to change, but you can't. And we try and do it in our own strength. You know what happens is we actually do those things that we're struggling with more because we're dealing, we're going to the wrong place for the solution. And so as we try and work it out on our own, we continue to fail at it. We continue to beat ourselves up and that leads us down the path of destruction. But when we go to God and we confess to him, he comforts us, then those things will stop. So I wanna say to you this morning, if you've been living in, in your own shame and your own guilt to the point where you can't even say it out loud, I wanna encourage you today maybe even right now, you can pause this video to get on your knees and it might feel weird to you. Close the door if you have to, there's other people in the house and confess those things and trust that God is gonna comfort you. He's not gonna expose you. He's not gonna shame you. He's not gonna make you feel like the worst person in the world. All the things that you might think that he would do. The Bible's contrary to those thoughts. Jesus himself says, no, you're gonna be blessed because I'm gonna comfort you in those moments. So take that time to do so and you will, you will feel God's love like you never have before. Okay, so now I kind of want to look at the second part of this beatitude and that is the very you know, obvious reading of this that, that those who mourn will be comforted. Those who are in grief will be comforted by Jesus. And I want to start by reading John chapter 16, verse 33, where it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You might be hearing this or reading this and think, well, yeah, that, that's great. That's easy for Jesus to say, you know, he's the son of God. But we need to understand the timing of when Jesus says this. 
Jesus says this two chapters before he's arrested to be killed. And it's, it's, it's really on the cusp of his death that Jesus says, take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus knew really better than even we do what trouble in the world looked like. He was killed, brutally killed for doing absolutely nothing wrong. He was betrayed by someone that he loved. He was abandoned by people that he loved, denied knowing by someone he loved. He was forgotten by his parents at one point in his life. I mean, Jesus knew what hardship in the world was like. So when he says, take heart, you will find peace in me. He means it because he knows we have a God. Thank you, Jesus. We have a God who can relate to the things that we go through. He is not this far off God that has never, has never endured anything. He knows what you're going through. He knows what loss is like. He knows what being betrayed is like. He knows what not having money is like. He gets all that stuff. He gets it. And I wanna read the story of, of Jesus and Lazarus. All right, Jesus gets word that his friend Lazarus is sick and he's dying. And he, and he kind of hangs out while, when he gets the word and he, he doesn't come right back. And then he, he, meaning he doesn't go to Lazarus. But after a couple days, he does. And, and Lazarus is dead, right? And we're gonna pick up the story in John chapter 11, verse 32. It says, when Mary, who's, who's Lazarus's sister, reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then in verse 35, it says, Jesus wept. And listen, this story, if you, if, you, if you know it, then you know that has a happy ending, right? Lazarus is raised from the dead, comes out of the tomb, and it's this great thing. And the truth is, a lot of our stories don't end that way. The cancer doesn't go away. The operation doesn't go as planned. The family member doesn't call you back. You don't get the job that you had applied for. And there's a lot of sorrow in that. But what we need to, what I wanna, why I wanted to read this and what I wanna point out in this is that Jesus wept alongside those who were weeping as well. It even says that he was greatly troubled. Like he was troubled, why? Because he loves these people and he loves you. God is never gonna leave you and he's never gonna forsake you. And our hope when we, when we are grieving over the loss of something that we can't even control, we will be comforted by God. Psalms 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That is a promise of God that he is close to us. He is close to us. And he is going to save those who are crushed in spirit. Listen, again, we're, we're in, a, in an unprecedented time. And right now you very well could be crushed in spirit. But here's what I wanna encourage you this morning to do is don't turn to worldly things to save you. Don't turn to stuff. The Bible doesn't say accumulate a bunch of things. If I, you know, we, we can say if I only had this and if I only had that, then I would feel better. But those things are fleeting. Those things are fleeting. If I only had a husband, if I only had a wife, if I only had a girlfriend or boyfriend, if I only had this or that, then I would be, then I would feel better. You wouldn't, maybe for a moment, but those things would come back. 
the only thing that is going to heal us, the only thing that is going to bring us the ultimate comfort when we mourn is Jesus. Why? Because we, it, it says it right here. Why? Because he died for us, for those very things. He didn't just, he didn't just die to save us from, from hell. He died so that he could bring us comfort every single day. And we need to understand that whatever we are walking through, whatever we are walking through in life, he can relate to. That is one of the most amazing things about Jesus is he can relate to what you are going through. But we need to go to him for comfort. When we, are, when we are mourning and we are in grief, we need to go to him, not other things and other people and this and that, but to him. You know, I'm gonna say this, we're in a very emotional time right now. Our emotions are all over the place. I mean, it's every day we're battling emotions. In one moment, we're grateful for the things that we have. And the next moment, we're fearful. Uh, you know, we, we love that we get time with our kids. And the next moment, our kids are driving us nuts. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's all over the place. And how do you manage that? What you don't do is pretend that everything's okay when it's not. You don't put this fake smile on and, and just act like everything's hunky-dory. But what, what you also don't do is bathe in your emotions. It's very important that we identify how we're feeling. But it is also very important that we don't let those things that we're feeling own us. Emotions, what they do in this time is, is point us to how we should pray. And if you are in a place of grieving, you are in a place of mourning, whether it's because of things that you've done yourself and you're beating yourself up or you're, you're dealing with something that had, was out of your control altogether. Those things, we recognize them and it points us to how we pray. It points us to how we should pray. But we know that as we pray, as we bring those things to God, Jesus promises that we will be comforted. And so this morning, again, I wanna challenge you. What are you doing with these emotions? What are you doing with the guilt and the shame that you're carrying because of things that you've done in the past and maybe even are doing now? Are you experiencing worldly sorrow where you're just looking in the mirror and you're beating yourself up over and over? Or are you bringing it to God and allowing the godly sorrow to lead to repentance, which will then allow you to be comforted? With your emotions, the things that are going on around you that you can't control, are you bathing in them? Are you just sitting in them, stewing in them, allowing them to control every thought and feeling that you have? Or you're saying, you know what, God, this is what I'm feeling in this moment. I'm afraid. I'm anxious, God. I'm worried. I'm all these things that your, your word, the Bible says not to do. I'm feeling like that. So I'm gonna bring it to you. I'm confessing to you how I'm feeling. I'm giving you these emotions. And God, I'm asking you to bring me comfort. Is that what you're doing? I pray that you will. I pray that, that this, this message today meets you in that place where we go to God and we live in that house. We live in that house of, of, of mourning that brings repentance. We live in that house of prayer because that's where the change comes. We can't do it on our own. We're, we're focusing so hard on, on trying to beat down the door of feasting when God the whole time is saying, no, 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 that's the wrong house. The feasting comes through the mourning, through the repentance. That's where the comfort comes, not this other thing, not this other thing. I'm gonna close with this verse, Psalms 55, 22. It says, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. 
He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. We need to to cast our mournings and our griefs on the Lord. All the burdens that we've been carrying and trust that he's going to comfort us. If you this morning are hearing this for the first time and you've never accepted Jesus as your savior and you've been trying to live out this life on your own, in your own strength, and you are hitting a wall, you're you're just, you're beating yourself up. You're beating your head against a wall, trying to have a breakthrough and you just can't do it. I'm here to tell you that Jesus can do it for you. And it's not about the things that you've done. It's about this moment right now and allowing him to come into your heart and to be Lord of your life so that then you can say, God, I'm sorry. Here is everything. Please forgive me. And he will comfort you in that moment. I promise you, I can say it because I know that he's done that for me. He does it every day. So I want to give you the opportunity right now, just where you're at, wherever you're at watching this, to just stop and ask Jesus to come into your heart. You can pause this video right now. It's a sim- there, there's, no, there's no specific prayer. All you say is, God, I need you. I need you to be my savior. I believe. So do that right now. Pause this video and accept Jesus into your heart and he will change you. He will change you. For those of us that, that have accepted Jesus, <clears throat> I, wanna, I wanna encourage all of us to live that life of repentance, to not run away from the house of mourning, but run to it and to understand where that's where this change comes. That's where that internal change comes. Amen. I, I hope this, I hope and, and, and pray that this sermon has challenged you today. It's challenged me. But these are the words of Jesus. This is what he's promised us, this blessing. Let's not ignore it. Let's not ignore it, church. Let's live in it. Let's bathe in that. Let's not, try, let's not just focus on trying to be, try harder, but to confess more. Amen. Why don't we close in prayer? And then after I uh, pray, we are going to do our surfboard drawing. And so you can stick around for that after, uh, after we close in worship as well. Father, thank you so much, Jesus, that you don't hold a record of wrong. When we come to you and we repent, you don't shame us. You don't make us feel guilty. You don't expose us and laugh at us and call us names, but you comfort us and you free us of the chains that we have put around ourselves. Now, the things that we beat ourselves up over, you take from us and you say, it's okay. It's okay. God, I pray that we would be a people that aren't afraid to repent when it's hard to say those things out loud, God, that we would be quick to do so. Father, help us to go to the house of mourning. God, to go to the house of repentance, to understand more and more every day what godly sorrow really is. God, that it brings change and it saves us, Father. We need to be saved, Lord. And God, I'll say right now, forgive us. Forgive us for trying to live in the house of feasting. Forgive us, Father, for trying to do this all on our own, for doing every other aspect of prayer in our lives except repentance. God, I pray that as we repent every day, that it would be something, honestly, that we look forward to because it's in those moments, God, that we experience your grace and your love. Help us, Jesus. Forgive us, Father, right now even. I pray for forgiveness, God, when we fall short. Help us to see you with new eyes, See you with new eyes, Father, not to, not to live a life where we beat ourselves up, call ourselves failures, but in those moments when we feel like that, that we would run to you 
and you would comfort us, Father. Thank you for being a God who comforts us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to close with worship, and after that, we'll, uh, we'll have our big surfboard drawing. Hope y'all are blessed. We're praying for you. We miss you. We miss you like crazy, and we love you. And uh, uh, yeah, y'all have a great rest of your Sunday. We'll see you soon. Thanks.